When I first forayed into the works of Takashi Miki, I started with his seminal horror masterpiece, Audition, which left me chomping at the bit for any and all things Miki. Itchy the Killer followed shortly thereafter, and I was instantly floored by its frenetic, hyper-violent stylization. Miki as a director is not beholden to a single genre. He's done everything from horror and exploitation cinema to kids' movies and period pieces, and everything in between. But it's Miki's depraved and sexually deviant work that catapults him into my short list of favorite filmmakers. And nothing is as blood-soaked and utterly bizarre as Ichi the Killer. And we break it all down next on Midnight Flicks. Welcome to Midnight Flicks, a podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late night purgatory. I am one of your hosts, Pat Mitchell, and joining me on this cinematic expedition is Adam Walker. Adam, how are you tonight? Good day to you. I am doing fine and dandy. Quarantine day, whatever. (laughs) This, This for me officially is day five and still doing all right, still loving it. I'm all right with it. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to downplay how awful this is, but for me personally, this fucking rules. Hell yes. It's not sinking in yet that this is going to suck for me, but it will right now. I'm fine. Like a (laughs) well-trained martial artist. I've been practicing social distancing for the better part of 20 years. Exactly. So these, this is, this is my time to shine. (laughs) Oh, I can't leave the house and I can only watch movies. Oh fuck! It's like, don't, don't throw know. me in. I don't that, know what I'll do. Yeah, don't throw me in that briar patch, please. <laughs> you know. Well, so I wanted to start tonight a little differently than we normally start. Normally, we talk about movies that we may have checked out recently, but given our um, first uh, foreign movie of the podcast, I thought we could talk a little bit about our Takashi Miki experience and kind of where you started. Uh, with his films yes you know and i feel like for one reason or another i'm very well prepared to have this discussion i uh, i i feel uh, like i don't know why but just, this feels like deja vu <laughs> <laughs> yeah so my first experience was with the movie gozu and <clears throat> i believe i probably borrowed it from the library because um, there was a time, one of the many other times that I have quarantined myself, not due to any virus, but due to probably mental instability <laughs> and, and working part-time shitty jobs and not having anything else better to do. Different I social distancing. Yeah, I, I was holding up and just binging on movies that I thought would look cool or whatever. And yes, I did that with Gozu. It was a weird fucking movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. Can't really say much else. Uh, but then, um, not too long after that, I did see this movie, the movie we're talking about tonight, 
saw it with a group of friends in Indianapolis, uh, all of some former bandmates of mine, all at our band house. And yeah, at the time when I saw it, it, it blew me away because it was so starkly violent. So over the top, so weird. And yeah. And it's always been a movie that I've had, uh, fond memories, fond attachment to. So yes, he's also, and I'm not, I'm not sure if this reigns true for you. He's my first, um, introduction to Japanese cinema. Um, I, I don't think I watched anything. I didn't watch Akira Kurosawa movies until much later, but I, I, remember watching Miki movies in high school. Mm-hmm. So uh, around 2002 is probably when I first started. Um, and I definitely, that coupled with just how unique his style is, was mind bending for a teenager um, who the violence that I had known up to that point was like comedic horror violence, like, Dawn of the Dead or like, you know, zombie movies or just like kind of shitty horror movies that have like, you know, borderline funny makeup, mm. uh, special makeup effects. But this was like another level. It was like um, daring you to, it was just pushing you in a, a direction you didn't want to go in. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because it has that psychosexual, you know, violent sexual aspect to it that makes you feel like you're watching something so perverse you shouldn't be privy to it in certain ways. Yeah, absolutely. Again, depending on your tolerance level or whatever, you know, you know, your, your kinks and whatnot, but at no point am I, at at no point am I ever put off by this movie or um, disgusted by this movie. I am thrilled by the violence in, and the perversion in this movie, it's like, uh, it's, it's just very, I'm just like, holy shit. Like it it just gets, gets me (laughs) fired up. I'm just like, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. And you you heard it here, folks. (laughs) Patrick is a psychopath. I am, I am much like Ichi, a violence kink. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, I, I will say, this particular movie I've watched uh, audition is my first Takashi Miki experience. And I've since rewatched audition a hundred plus times easily. This on the other hand, I put on uh, our watch list for this podcast because I remember it vividly from the handful of times I watched it in high school and never revisited it again. So I was very interested to see how this movie held up. I don't know how much time had gone by for you. I would say it's been at least a decade. It's been a while. It's been a while. So Mm. it was, I, without getting into it before we get into it, was it as jarring to you? For me, it was jarringly. um, How can I phrase this nicely? Cause I don't mean it in a mean way, but it, it has not aged well. Yeah, I I definitely had you know a different take on it this time around. We'll get into that. So I won't Good. say it was any more jar any more jarring for me. Well, let's just uh, get right into it then, huh? Yeah, go ahead. Tell us all about it. So I put I put together this plot description 
<laughs> so bear with me, because as you will agree, this is a convoluted uh, movie, to say the least. So I tried to put together the most coherent synopsis. A sexual deviant who is aroused by violence, itchy, our titular character, mm -hmm. is manipulated via hypnosis and false memory planting to turn various Yakuza syndicates against one another. And then alternately, we have uh, a, a sadomasochistic enforcer um, uh, who, for, for one of the Yakuza gangs by the name of Yakihara, who rises to power after his, after his Yakuza boss is murdered and fate kind of predestined fate brings these two sadists together and you pretty much are waiting for the climax of these two <laughs> perverse individuals to meet one another. Is that a good description? <laughs> yeah, no, I would say that that is a very good synthesis of what the uh, summation of what this movie is. The only thing I will say is I will correct you. I believe yes. that the, um, the assassin, the Yakuza assassin is Kakihara with a K. I'm sorry. With a, it, is, it is with a K. Kakihara. And in my notes, I have Kakihara for everything except when I wrote the plot description where it uh, auto-corrected to Yakihara. So um, we're going to be... Here we go. Here is... And like, thus it begins. <laughs> Let's put the fucking uh, the ticker tape. If this was a visible, if this was a visual podcast, the, we're gonna be pronouncing a lot of Japanese names in this in this fucking thing, and we're gonna do our best <laughs> to not be, butcher them. Be prepared to butcher lots of Japanese names, just like Ichi butchers his victims. Oh, that's that's a nice transition. But yes, Kakihara. Kakihara. Um, in terms of uh, reviews for this. Could not find uh, a Roger Ebert mention even of this, uh, let alone a, a Glenn Danzig mention. And that's a you, damn shame because you know that Roger Ebert, if he had watched this movie, he would have been shitting was, bricks. I would have loved to see it. It would have been a one star. I, I think he may, may he, we may have walked out. I, I'm not sure he would have sat through the whole thing. He would have said it. He was like, if I could have put my thumb so far into my, my fucking urethra <laughs> to distract me from the pain that I was receiving from watching this movie, I would have done it. I would have shoved my fat fucking thumb into my urethra. Just so I didn't have to watch this damn movie, Roger. Man, if I read that, I'd be like, "Whoa, what a tight review!" Um, but I did pull two reviews. Uh, Tanner Tafelski of the Village Voice, um, when it came out, said, "Quote: Miki layers a bloodstained commentary on a toxic world in which men offer protection to men, but really end up dooming them to exist within a spasmodic, shambolic." and hyper-masculine sphere of violence. Um, I liked that one. Yeah. I, I also pulled one from the Chicago Tribune around the time it came out. And um, they said, any serious message has been sacrificed on the altar of excess, making us realize why the stylish story probably worked better as a graphic comic book than as a film. Um, 
This is adapted from a series of manga comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I will say that and that it lends itself to as to why this movie is so convoluted um, because he's trying to take a source material that is a series of comics mm-hmm. and shove it into uh, a two hour bag of movie. So right. I, yeah, I think go ahead. Well, as I say, and and admittedly, I have not read any of the the, man, the mangas. So from that perspective, I really don't know what to think. And, you know, if I was more familiar with the source material, I, you know, I could probably, you know, give a different sort of criticism than I would for this movie. But yeah, that is a good point. It's a lot of shit to shove into a two hour movie, which is a long it is long and probably could have been longer given the source material that he was working from. Yeah. Um, but I, I agreed on, on all, on all points there. Shall we get into the good, the bad and the questionable, you know, it. Good for me. Um, I love, uh, conceptually, I love a movie that builds up two badass characters who are um, somewhat diametrically opposed to each other. In this, in, in this instance, uh, they're kind of two peas in the same uh, <laughs> perverse pod. Um, but I, I love movies that you have two characters, they're both being built up as, as badass and they are on a cataclysmic course of, of meeting at, at the end. Cause the anticipation of seeing um, Ichi meet Kakahara at the end is what drives me, you know, through this movie. It's it, it, what's, it's what thrills me and, and keeps me wanting to watch it, obviously. Yeah. Um, and the extra twist in this being that they're both sadists. So <laughs> that's, that's always lovely. Right. Um, Sadi- and sadists for different reasons, but yes, nonetheless. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Kakihara is one of the best. I'm not sure if anti-hero is, is, <laughs> is the word for him. Um, but I'll use it for lack of a better term. Uh, is one of the best anti-heroes in cinema. I love him. He is mm-hmm. one of my favorite characters in a, in a Takashi Miki movie, for sure. One of the most memorable. Um, a lot of his movies, I, you know, I feel like a lot of his movies are about everyday people and they, they function as... Um, it, you, the, no one stands out as particularly you know, strange or not, maybe not strange, but no one, no one stands out as much as Kakahara stands out as unique and well-developed. Um, and maybe that has something to do with uh, the, the manga shit, but um, I, I love him as a character, especially in this. Yeah. And I'll fully agree. He is an extremely unique. He's, he's a quirky character for being such a, menacing 
killing machine of a character. Um, and yeah, it's cool how he is created to be so distinct from the rest of the Yakuza that he, it, you wouldn't even think he was a member of Yakuza. He's, he's just like a singular entity unto himself. But I will say this, if this was not a Japanese movie, especially coming from the time that it was, if this was an American take on this, mm. his look and that whole thing would be juggalo as fuck. <laughs> so I will say that much. The fact that it's Japanese cinema and I love pretty much everything that has a Japanese spin on it. I think they do when they do art, they do it the best way. So through that filter, through that cultural filter, it works, but in, in, in different hands, not you know in in european eurocentric hands sure probably would not uh, achieve the same result so i'll that's my editorial on so that. in the beginning when we meet kakahara he's smoking and the 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 pillows of smoke are coming out uh, the, it's shot from behind so you don't see his face but the uh, the puffs of smoke are coming out either cheek and if you're not super familiar with this movie he's got a heath ledger joker-esque um a slit in his in his mouth that kind of extends it outwards um but so you're saying if this was an american movie it would just be him chugging fago and fago just dripping out of each or <laughs> out of the sides of his cheeks because i love that as an intro and he would be vaping <laughs> yeah he would just be ripping a, a vape and and chugging fago yeah, yeah i could see that um, <laughs> a rundown of the a quick rundown of my favorite scenes the Suzuki torture scene where he's suspended from the hooks is still unbelievably good I, I, I was fully expecting that scene to let me down a little bit it did not let me down at all <laughs> no totally that is like the gnarly centerpiece of the movie in, in many ways for me it is the uh, Tootsie Roll center of this, <laughs> of this fucking, of this, uh, yeah, of this, not a blow pop. What the, the fuck is that called? The the bloody gory center of the Tootsie Pop. Of, of the this Tootsie movie. Pop, yes. Yeah. The fucked up Tootsie Pop. No. Um, the tongue cutting scene when Kakahara cuts off the tip of his tongue and offers it to the Yakuza boss. Um, Kakahara um, unhinging and biting that dude's fit, unhinging his like, mouth and and like a fucking snake and biting that dude's fist yes um the cheek pulling scene where the uh girlfriend prostitute joins in and they're just pulling his cheeks i don't know what they did makeup effect wise well i i can imagine they just applied some poxy or whatever mm -hmm. uh but that was so good it was it, it, it and that brings me to the fact that this movie is genuinely funny like yes for how violent it is i don't think it gets the credit for being genuinely like i like laughed out loud in multiple instances that cheek pulling scene is so funny when she gets down on the ground starts pulling the cheeks with him i i love that scene yeah um fantastically and unflinchingly violent uh, i mean that it speaks for itself um but the arc of violence to speak to the comedic angle that i was just talking about the arc of violence goes from grotesque and almost gut churning to comedic. Um, especially I, I think it peaks 
at where that when he's asking um, can an arm be pulled off with your bare hands? And he proceeds to pull that dude's arms off with his bare hands. That, that scene comparatively to everything that had preceded it is, is, uh, is just funny. It's like the violence almost desensitizes you all in one um, go. You're, you're exposed to so much of it and made complicit in the fact that you're watching it and participating in it, mm-hmm. that you become desensitized. And I think that is the, I, I think that's the commentary on it, um, right. smartly enough. Yeah, you're shocked. You're shocked into. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's again, like you said, it's 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 this Pavlovian effect almost of um, coupling humor to violence. That yeah, that he's probably trying to say something about that. Like you know, we as as a society have gotten to the point where violence is funny what does that say about us yes so yes yes. i think it i just think it's smart i think it's smarter than a it's not just a blood-soaked romp for violence's sake i think Mm -hmm. there is a commentary built into this movie that um that is actually anti-violent in 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 a weird um way Mm -hmm. um this is the only title sequence that i know of uh, where the title of the movie appears in a puddle of splooge, which is so tight. <laughs> so gross. Yeah. Uh, that, and that's part of the, it starts with comedy. I like, because you, you can't with a serious face have each the killer form on your screen in a literal puddle of jism. Like, it, it's it that alone is like, well, I'm in you. He sets the tone in the title sequence alone. You know, you're in for one, some freaky shit and two, you're, you're going to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, what good do you have? Well, for me, I, I, I really like the actress that plays Karen. <laughs> And the, uh, pro- the Yakuza boss's prostitute girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, something about her and the dialogue that she has with people where she's the only one in the cast that's, that will switch between speaking in English and speaking in Japanese. And that, that happening, that kind of, strange disorienting you know again surreal aspect of the movie to me i thought was really cool and and she's she's pretty sexy too so i like kind of like you know like i kind of (laughs) have i have (laughs) i have one for her that's all i'm saying is like i thought she did a really good job as being this this weird you don't know like really where her alliance is throughout the movie no um, you don't and you know she plays it off really well that she's kind of like a chaotic sort of uh neutral sort of character she so, totally is i love her too she's she's cool um what else <laughs> this is the thing that i like in general about i will say in general about uh asian movies that have some sort of violent aspect or some sort of uh you know a, a, a martial arts aspect or whatnot is i don't really ever see movies that, uh and this being one of them that that doesn't um 
have this choreographed fight aspect to it that I don't, you know, that I, that ever lets me down. Even like really like dumb Z grade Kung Fu movies that come from China or, you know, you know, from Asia, like I'll find something enjoyable about that, that aspect. And that's the same with this is I like a well choreographed fight scene. And this has a lot of that. And again, on top of it, it's like, it's super violent and, and weird and Ichi's way of killing people with the like kind of like the 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 blades that are like skates almost that, boot blade yeah the boot <laughs> blades that eject from his shoes <laughs> like it's that's literally really, a boot switchblade yeah i like that a lot so yeah i thought it was super creative and, the, and the, awesome the, yeah the creative violence that that goes throughout the movie agreed <laughs> Do we want to move on to bad? Do, is there anything else we want to talk about? Other than what you talked about, I think that's it for me, you know? Cool. Bad. How about you kick it off? Bad. There's some CGI in this from that era that does not age well. Preach it, brother. You know, um, there's the blood, the CGI blood that is pretty noticeable. Um, <laughs> there's some aspects where, especially where, there's scenes where some of the characters are morphing uh, like Ichi's caretaker. What, what, what would that guy be? He'd be like his, 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 um, he is the, he, I don't even know that that's what, that's what makes this movie so weird. I mean, he's the one that wants to pit all the Yakuza's against one another. So he's using Ichi to his own personal gain. Right. Um, but and I don't he, know what his title would be. And he's bred Ichi more or less to be what he is. He's the one that's been hypnotizing him and implanting the false, the false memories. memories. Yeah. So, but anyways, point being, there is the part there towards the end where he rips off his clothes and he, he goes from appearing to be a fairly diminutive older man to underneath. He's this ripped <laughs> fucking. I loved that part. I forgot about that. Yeah. I was I like, like, wait, who the hell is this? I like it, but like you can, you know, the combination, the, the combination of putting his head on that body, it's pretty distinctly apparent, you know, that they're, they're not the same thing. And it's just kind of, it's kind of like, kind of shoddily put together, but, at the same time, though, as much as I can say, I think that's bad. It adds to like the quirky kind of like kitschy Definitely. charm. At that the, point, the you're, movie. you're yeah. At that point, you're so invested in weird that it's like the least weird thing you've seen so far. Yeah. So um, and G, his name is G G G G. It's J I J I I. So yeah. I, whatever J G G. <laughs> right. That's so what there, we're talking about. So there are some aspects where clearly for the time you know, the technology and the techniques were being developed. There was kind of like a weird, awkward transitionary phase for doing some of those sort of effects. And, you know, where you're trying to get away from practical effects and more into computer generated effects. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not quite, hasn't quite caught up yet. So, and it's pretty apparent in this movie. Specifically when Ichi kills the pimp, um, who's beating up that prostitute. Yeah. He cuts him down the middle in half with his boot blade. That is some of the worst CGI I've ever seen in any movie. <laughs> right. Yes. It is that, so that bad. Scene that scene in particular is, yes. is so bad. So Which bad. Is really 
crazy because it's then followed up by the prostitute getting her neck cut with the boot blade and that is masterfully gory and fantastic right and it, it's so good the, the spray coming out the side of her neck is so good that you're like why the fuck did i just sit through this dude getting cut in half and it looking like uh i'm playing doom or something like it was awful um and the only other scene that is just as bad is when uh, uh, Kakahari puts the two um, needles in his ear and you get a CGI ear canal. Yeah. Scene. I, I always, I've always hated if you've got to go inside like a tight, tight quarters or inside the human body, they always just do it like a CGI fucking thing. I hate, I hated that. That, and that was also awful, but yeah, that, that stuff has not aged well at all. Yeah. So really a lot of it hinged on the, inconsistencies in creating some of the, uh, the, the, the effects throughout the movie. I, I agree. And yeah, I would say those are the main things for me. What about you? You got anything else? Those CGI effects were, were um, distractingly bad almost, but I feel like uh, the, the pimp getting cut in half happens early on enough in the movie that you get a lot of very uh, satisfying uh, makeup effects and gore effects that, that, gloss it over to where it's it's somewhat forgettable oh i did have another yeah. thing that i wanted to and we touched upon this earlier and this is something i i said to you off uh, offline i think this movie is way too long i was definitely getting a little bit kind of antsy watching it and you know there's enough convolution to the plot where you're just kind of like uh it kind of drags that that was the one takeaway that I had from watching it now that I don't remember feeling before when it was a fresh new movie to me. Sure. So yeah, the length, the length could be cut down a little bit, could be edited. I had that. Um, I had your, I had you saying that in the back of my mind while, while I was watching, cause we talked beforehand. Um, and I made a mental note of it. And throughout the movie, I did not find a scene that I would get rid of or, oh, really? or shorten. I, I just couldn't fathom. Everything is so intricately developed and um, stacked upon one another that I feel like the removal of even certain uh, benign scenes uh, would greatly affect the this whole aspect of you as a viewer are complacent in the watching of this movie. Mm -hmm. And if you make it any shorter or try to, especially try to edit out some of the violent nature of it, uh, you, it then becomes a violent movie for violence's sake. Okay. Um, and the only other thing that I would say about that is what we talked about, uh, at the top of this, which is, him trying to cram a, a series of manga comics into a movie. I'm, I'm sure it was, I'm sure he wanted this to be longer shit. I mean, but I, I hear you. I did. You know, there's a second into third act lull where I uh, was just so anticipating the, the final uh, boss battle that I was, uh, yeah, kind of antsy. Well, and I will say this to its credit, and maybe this is just me just being a dumb dumb that, I also could see rewatching this again in closer proximity from watching it this last time. And maybe after watching it another time, cause you watched it two times in a row, right? Didn't you this time, this time I, I, um, 
I watched it once. Okay. Well, I'm just saying like I could see myself rewatching this and then maybe some of this coming together a little bit better in my mind to make it, you know, make more sense. So that length wouldn't seem as burdensome or unnecessary. Also, I don't much like you just said me saying that it seemed like it was too long, kind of like weighed in the back of your mind as you were watching it. I will say this as well. And this kind of tainted my viewing because I was watching it with Charlotte and, (laughs) and and Charlotte, she likes Takashi Miike as well, but she was watching it and she was kind of like, yeah, I just don't know if I like this guy's stuff anymore. It just seems like it's kind of dumb to me. And so I was kind of, yeah, I know. I know. Get her in the room. She's gone right now. So we can't dial a dude her to, to weigh in. But yeah. So while I'm watching it, I'm kind of like second guessing myself. Like, well, maybe it is dumb. I, I, I could see that. I, I had a similar experience. Whereas I watched this very, very late. Um, my wife had already gone to bed. So I'm in, I'm in the dark downstairs. It's like two in the morning. Uh, I watched this up, up until like four in the morning. Um, my wife just came downstairs and, uh, and there's just like a bunch of, <laughs> it, he's pouring like the hot water on the, uh, the boiling, the boiling pot on top of the, of the suspended body. Yeah. And this is what I'm doing with my evening. And she said not a word and just went right back upstairs. <laughs> I'm sure I looked like behind my shoulder with like raccoon eyes, like, like nocturnal animals and <laughs> those glowing eyes in the dark. Like, yeah. Yeah, this is what I'm doing tonight. And she was just like, ah, man, she's like with this. Who am I married to? <laughs> she, she did not even say come to bed. She was like, stay, stay in your filth. This is funny because <laughs> I was just thinking about like, we were talking during the Cape Fear episode about how, you know, our consumption of movies and, and things probably makes our, our, our uh, partners question question uh, uh, what, yeah what their are, choices what are they doing with us anyways we're very lucky we are fortunate um, we are fortunate the only other thing i had in terms of bad was um an, uh <laughs> kakihara utilizes the help from the police um in the in the form of these two twin detective brothers and they are just total doofuses. Those brothers were just so stupid. Like the, the, they could, yeah. they provide a lot of comedic value, but in terms of just, they're just, they're, as we talk about every single episode, bad at their job. They're bad, bad, at their detectives, bad yeah. police. Yeah. Um, let's get into um, questionable here. Cause I, I don't think I have, um, yeah, I don't have any other bad. What questions did you have other than what the fuck is going on? <laughs> right. That's that's what really I the, asked myself. That's the overarching. Yeah. The big question is what the fuck's going on in this movie? So other than, you know, you have the plot of pitting these two, you know, sadists against each other in the end, there is also the other overarching plot, which is finding the boss. That's yeah, which I think is a red herring. Okay. 
I, I think the Anho thing is is a catalyst for uh, Ichi and Kakihara to grow uh, to draw closer. But I, I I agree there is that is the that's what drives the the first half of the movie. And correct me if I'm wrong. It, so Gigi, who is again uh, Ichi's master or whatever you want to yes. call. Him. He's like a, uh, what do you call a Svengali? (laughs) He is a Svengali. You're right. It's like, he's like his Rasputin or whatever. So he has something to do with setting the Yakuza on the path though, to find their lost boss. Right. So do you think that somewhere he has something to do with the boss missing? And this is all his plan to like, again, he wants to pit these groups together. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. He was the catalyst for all of that happening because the cleaning crew, which uh, is apparently just uh, a group of drug addled heroin addicts or whatever. uh, They're the ones that come in and and clean the Anho mess. Correct. At the beginning. I think so. When, when he gets, when he gets done away with, we actually don't see itchy uh, dispatch of Anho right. uh, on camera, but the, that, that cleaning crew that comes in, they work for Gigi. Okay. So I would imagine that, yeah, that is the kettle that he sparks the uh, events that begin this whole thing because Kakahara is now um, pulled into it in figuring out who done it it become it goes from a who done it to just a uh a cataclysmic uh tour de force of you're just waiting for these two to meet yeah okay so that made me think of another question then that i had is speaking of the junkies there's the one guy who apparently had i can't answer your question i i don't know what the fuck was going go ahead go ahead i know what you're talking about (laughs) he has plastic surgery yeah you know what i'm saying and then he changes his face and then at some point he is he exists in a cardboard box and is Uh, well that was a tv that was like a tv that's right broken over his head or whatever yes well, they find him in a hotel room like that. I don't even think that that violence is enacted upon him. I think they find him in a, in a, <laughs> in a hotel room and his head is in like a hollow television. Yeah. And he is, um, only, only through the threat, uh, through the threat of his own death. Does he admit, does he give the information to Kakahara that he needs, but also he knew Kakahara in a different form. Um, but Kakahara doesn't recognize him because he had this face lift or face yeah. surgery. Uh, that whole angle. I have, I don't understand. And, or I feel like that's part of the, that's part of the manga comics that just makes a, a ton of sense, but can only be touched upon in this movie. And since it's only kind of referenced and you only get the one real scene about it and you never see that dude again. Um, yeah, and that's the thing with this this movie that makes it so hard to follow sometimes is there are so many of these little ancillary characters that come into play that have a relationship to Kakihara. And never see again. You never see again, and I'm just like, okay, what's that dude's deal? Why are they here? You know what I mean? Not, not entirely sure what any of that was. 
Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Um, some questions that I came up with. Why is this movie called Ichi the Killer when Kakahara is the face of the movie? He's literally on the cover of the DVD. He's given the most iconic moments and he's the most interesting character. <laughs> totally. So, yeah. So admittedly, because I hadn't seen it in quite some time. Did you think my- Kakahara was itchy? Yes. So, so did in, I. So in my mind, I just was like, I had, I had misremembered that that character was not Ichi. The Ichi was a completely different character. So did I. So and, did I. <laughs> and whenever I whenever I had researched any other art, poster art or promotional art related to the movie, I only remember seeing one other instance where it shows a rendering of Ichi on it as opposed to Kakihara. And his like weird superhero getup. Right. The, yeah. With the very distinct number one. With the he, one on the back. He basically looks like a, a turtle or a beetle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does. He's got the yeah. armor of like a uh, Ninja Turtles bad guy. Yeah. So there's that as well. So that's my biggest question. It's, it is really weird and jarring because uh, as you meet Kakahara, you're like, oh, this is itchy. You just assume. Right. It says Ichi the killer on the front and it's literally just a close up of his shot of his face on almost all of the promotional work for this. Yeah. Um, that's one of my questions. Um, what the hell is going on? <laughs> what the hell is going on in the scene where the bodyguard is in that like noodle house? And he's sitting with Ichi across from him, but then it cuts to the bodyguard talking and then it cuts back and he's suddenly talking to his own son. And then they cut back and he, the son turns back into Ichi. And then at some point, weirdly, Kakehara is also in the background. That scene, I could not pinpoint and understand what, what its relevance was. Yo, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. It- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go on record right now and say that this also is our most questioning, questiony, questionable. I mean, these questions are like, (laughs) yeah, this this is where I wanted to get to the point where people who listen to this is robust enough that they can provide the answers. This would be an episode where we would need it because, um, I know this movie fairly well, but Mm. still have uh, lots of questions. (laughs) So here you go. We're we're reaching out to you. There's a lot of bored, unemployed, stir crazy people right here. If you want some sort of contact with other people outside of of your home and your bedroom, when you listen to this, please email us. Give us answers. Although I'm I'm or DM. So yeah, DM us. Although I am admittedly scared to meet someone who knows more about Ichi the Killer than I do. And I'm not saying I'm the foremost expert. I just don't want to meet someone who has studied this movie to a grotesque amount. (laughs) Come on. I I say bring it. All right. Bring the freaks. We're all freaks. So, yeah. So I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about right there. That's Um, fine. (laughs) um, one, One thing I will say questionable slash bad. And this is... I, I don't want to paint any broad strokes about um, Japanese cinema, but I do like a lot of Japanese cinema. And I will say this about a lot of it that I've seen, especially when it comes to horror movies and, and things like that. There is gratuitous wincing uh, amounts of violence that's enacted on women. 
and and there's a lot of um, proclivities towards rapiness that you know. I wouldn't even say it's proclivities. It's just out and out rape. It's out and out rape. <laughs> there's I you know a lot of films that I watch, especially again in those genres that are from um, from Japan. Definitely like to lean in real hard on the the uh, the 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 abuse and rape. So it's unflinching. It is. And in those are the most uncomfortable parts. Right. For sure. I mean, you are repeatedly um, through the eyes of Ichi uh, in in a flashback forced to watch a gang rape. Yeah. um, Which is one of his implanted memories that you have to watch. It probably plays three or four different times in this movie, let alone the other rape scene that happens in this movie. Um, I mean, yes, that, that is definitely part of this movie's DNA. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, the only thing I can say for it is that it is also what makes you complacent in, in viewership. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you come to the end of, of the movie, you are a participant in it. And the commentary that that holds is so weighty. It's so heavy um, in terms of its uh, commentary on, you know, violence and, and, and the desensitization of, of its viewership. So, yeah, I agree. It's a slippery slope. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there Um, is that as well. No, I, I, I'm glad we, we couldn't just talk about this movie without even mentioning it, but yeah. um, Okay. Well, that does it for that. Let's move on to some of our award categories. How about that? This is going to be an interesting one for sure. So this is going to be, we're going to be thinking a little outside the box with this one. Uh, I have a interesting, um, swerve to one of these that might help you um great i'm looking forward to it in terms of quotes um both of the ones i have are kakahara he's easily the funniest person in this movie because Um, once again let us state the bad guys always have the best quotes they They always have the best lines the bad guys really do Um, he says something to the effect of most people have a touch of both sad, uh, sadism and masochism inside them, but this is 100% pure sadist. I can't wait to meet him in terms of Ichi. I love that line. Yeah, that is super good. You, you think he's like uh, disparaging him, but then he's like uh, almost horny at the thought of meeting no, him. He's like, I he, can't wait. Yeah, he's, he admires him. He is, he, yeah, he is like turned on. By what is prospect. the quote from Streets of Fire? Uh, Willem Dafoe says, uh, uh, <laughs> "Oh, it's like uh, it looks like I finally met someone who likes to play as rough as I do." Oh, yeah, like that. doesn't that quote reign true for how he feels? That, Absolutely, that's, that's pretty much exactly how he feels. Yes. And the only other one, um, in almost a whiny way, he says, "How can we have our challenge match if you act this way?" When Ichi's like crying and like. <laughs> Right there at the very end. He's, he's almost like not what he, uh, it, it's almost like he built himself. Kakahara built Ichi up in his mind as to uh, as this ridiculously violent force. And then when he meets him, he's like almost like a petulant child. And Kakahara's right. like, how can we have our challenge match if you're going to act this way? I love that line had me in stitches. I love 
fucking love that line. Right. Um, and I'll ahead. say to give a little bit like, a, you know, to to make an aside, you know, on a on the whole dynamic between Ichi and, and uh, Kakihara, you know, this also displays in starkly that Ichi probably does not want to be a murdering killing machine. Ichi has been designed um, out of his own, you know, agency to be this way. And whereas Kakihara is, he, he, this is what he does. He has made himself this way. Yes. It's very much a nature versus nurture thing in the most disgusting way possible. Yes. Um, because Ichi is, is a man-made um, force. Whereas Kakahara is just uh, self-made. Yeah. A self-made. Right. Yeah. Um, do you have any additional quotes? This is a hard movie to quote because we're quoting I, I, subtitles. So I don't. So and I'm gonna, those, those are the ones I would have picked. So you, good. I always like to narrow down one of one as being the best. And I'll just say, how, how can we have our challenge match? If you act this way, I think that is just so so funny. I'm going to mm-hmm. award that as uh, the quote of the movie. Um, did you spot yourself a Japanese Dick Miller? Our award for um, uh, named after Dick Miller, who is a bit performer, bit performer extraordinaire. And the movie, uh, the, the award goes to someone in the movie who is um, in it for a short amount of time, but does a lot with a little. Um, did you come up with anybody? I failed miserably. Give me a big fat F on this one. I'm sorry. Take your, take home your homework and uh, you can redo your test on Monday. Um, <laughs> so I came up with, and I, I you will like this Funaki um, played by June Kunimura. Yes. Uh, he's one of the Yakuza bosses. Um, and he looked very familiar to me. Okay, I'm going to so look after, him up right now. So go ahead. Go you look him up. Uh, his name is, his actor name is Jun Kunimura, J-U-N-K-U-N-I-M-U-R-A. Um, so after I looked him up, I, re- I realized I recognized him from audition. He is the producer friend who sets up the audition in audition. Um, and that's mainly what I remembered him from. But then... He's also Boss Tanaka. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. I just saw he's Boss Tanaka. He's Boss Tanaka in all the Kill Bill movies. That and is sick. He plays the Japanese stranger in The Wailing. I'm not sure if you've seen The Wailing. But I have not seen The Wailing. Awesome so. South Korean movie that came out semi-recently. He's the He plays the Japanese stranger in that. And he is very deserving of the Dick Miller Award because he's doing... He's in this for very, very little amount of time. And... He's a literal, I know that guy. And when I looked it up, I was like, holy shit. That's amazing. Thank you so much for doing that. Yes. That he, he gets our Dick Miller for this next category recently changed. Who would you replace in this movie with Bill Paxton? I find this incredibly impossible to do if we were to just fit him into the movie as it exists. So I will ask you and maybe I will tell you what I said while you think about it. If this were to be an American remake, who would Bill Paxton play? Oh, I actually like really, really like loved uh, doing this thought experiment. 
if you if you put him in this Japanese movie, then then please go ahead. Not necessarily. So I I put Bill Paxton in as Kakihara. Same. So, yeah. So I swapped him for Tadanobu Asano. Yes. And the reason why I did that was this is the this is the main character that I was thinking in my head that if I took from a different like universe and put in this movie that would have been just would have fit right in. And that was Can we say it at the same I because I had the almost exact same thought. One, on the count of three. One, two, three. Severin ne- from Near Dark. Yep, Severin yeah. from Near Dark. <laughs> Exactly, because it's like the same kind of fucking character, basically. I thought his performance as Severin in Near Dark could have been ramped up to where he could have played Kakahara. I absolutely hundred percent. So there we go. Now, but I the only the only mental gymnastics I had to do was you couldn't just obviously plant Bill Paxton in the middle of this very Japanese movie. Yeah. Um, so, but I think if you were to make a remake of this. He could be Kakahara for sure. hundred percent. And it's wow. too bad that we don't have that opportunity because he's no longer with us, but we can, we can imagine, we can imagine it. I, I, I weep at the thought of not ever having, I, that actually, I was realized. like, I, I was giddy actually when I thought of that. And to think we were both there. I, I, I love it. And this <laughs> category is, um, already for the better. I feel like I, I love, uh, I love this. If for people that aren't aware, we've changed this from who would you cast as Harry Dean Stanton in this movie to the, who would you cast as Bill Paxton in this movie? Um, fear not, fear, and fear not folks. HDS will come back into the rotation. We're just, you know, we're just shaking it up a little bit. We're shaking it up, but I feel like this is an a, a assured upgrade. I already love it so much. <laughs> Um, okay. Did you give any thought to a directorial trifecta for Takashi Miki? I didn't personally, I will say that I can, I can say right off the top of my head, I have seen four of his, his films and that would be this one, visitor Q, Gozu and audition. So as far as I know, I have not seen any others. So I didn't want to even wager a thought as to what would be a, uh, a trifecta here. But well, I will say well, this much yeah. that I do enjoy all of those movies. So there you go. Well, luckily for you, um, I, I put together a trifecta and it pretty much mirrors what you've been saying. Okay. Those who came out in 2003, what I put together was Audition, which is 1999, and then Visitor Q and Ichi the Killer both came out in 2001. So okay. in that tiny little three-year span, he did audition Visitor Q and Ichi, which is a just banger after banger after banger. That is crazy. And there's movies between audition and Visitor Q, maybe one or two that I had not seen. He's yeah. got a lengthy film, filmography. Um, but I just, if we were to use... Um, just how close together these years are audition visitor Q and Ichi are almost back to back to back. So that's great. That's a, an insane trifecta. Yeah. Um, shall we go down a wiki wormhole for this movie? Let's do it. 
Some fun facts. There's not very many because I simply could not find a lot of extracurricular information for this movie. Um, body count. Let's. Uh, Ooh, I bet that's a good one. <laughs> well, we're going to do two things here. One, we need to remember this because I, we need to see if anything beat. We'll have this as the winner so far because it okay. is easily the highest body count so far. But I, re- I want to remember this total for when we do future movies to see if anything tops it. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you the over under at, um, at 30. What do you think over or under 30? Over under. Okay. What do you think it is? 23, 25. Very okay. close. I actually was going to say 25, but you know, I, I second guess myself. So sure. 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 <laughs> 25 which is high that um, is very high as a publicity gimmick uh for this movie uh vomit bags were distributed at the toronto international film festival uh to those attending the midnight screening of the film and similarly vomit bags were also handed out during the stockholm international film festival and supposedly um while watching the movie one person uh threw up and proceeded to faint <laughs> yes so there you go that's when um, you know you made a good movie that's that's when you know you've you've really knocked it out of the park ah. <laughs> italiano chef kiss fingers um coincidentally <laughs> the film is banned in malaysia germany and norway to this day i love uh, it so that's funny um this film was followed by a prequel. It was titled One Ichi, uh, which was directed by Masato Tano in 2003, and it was a direct-to-video release. Uh, the film, that prequel follows a, a young Ichi contending with violent bullies at school um, and eventually realizing his strengths. Uh, the prequel was written by Sakichi Sato, who also wrote this film. Um, I, I'm assuming that means he adapted it from the manga comics for, for screen. Um, the soundtrack, which I'm particularly interested in. I love the percussion, uh, the instrumental percussion, heavy, um, music when Ichi kind of turns into a psychopath. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack was written and produced by, uh, Carrera musication and, they are a side project of a Japanese band called Boredoms, which is like a noise rock band. Yeah. Um, but the, the music in this is, is, is really good. Yeah. Were you at all before knowing that, or were you familiar with the Boredoms? No, 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 no. When I heard that, I, I hadn't heard of Carrera, Musication, or Boredoms. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put in a little, little Go personal ahead. anecdote yeah. here. I really like the boredoms a lot. And when I found that out, that was super cool. Cause I didn't know this. I saw the boredoms at Lollapalooza in 1994. Wow. What the fuck? That's yeah, it, nuts. Yeah. So, and it, they were so good. I haven't seen them since, but it will, it will always be stamped into my mind that concert because they were doing shit on stage. I was like 15, I think when that happened. So, they were doing shit on stage. I had never seen a band do before up to that point. Just weird shit. Utilizing things that 
I wouldn't have thought could be used as an you instrument. Even look like instruments, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So, like, I remember distinctly one particular thing where the guitar player unhooked his cable from his guitar and would would tap the guitar cable on the mic to give it this percussive kind of kind of feedback. Oh, effect. weird. Yeah. Like a like, but like to the rhythm of whatever song. What the hell? Yeah. The boredoms are super cool and super fucking weird. And yeah. So finding that out, I was really stoked about. And um, the, the other thing I was going to mention was that kind of like boom, 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 boom. When, when Ichi is kind of uh, is, you know, is, horniness turns to violence <laughs> i should say um, the, the throbbing <laughs> the, the, the throbbing of his sex when whenever that happens it always reminds it, it reminds me and I, this is weird but it reminds me of jim carrey in me myself and irene when he's switching personalities yeah and it's got that boom 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 it's got like the bongos playing <laughs> yeah. it, i don't know why i thought of I thought of uh, Jim Carrey and me, myself, and Irene every time. Like, oh, here he goes again. Yeah. Um, did you have any interesting things that you kind of saw that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I had a few things that I found. Go um, ahead. The semen during that intro sequence oh, is, yes. is, is real. That's real time. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's real jizz. Who's jizz? I don't I know. Need to know. Takashi Miki is just like, uh, you know, <laughs> just on the plant. Or they have like a jizz guy in their cast. Like the there's a there's a jizz prop guy. Well, perhaps they just hit up, uh, you know, one of those <laughs> fucking places where you donate a bunch of sperm. And, That's true. You know, they just dumped a bucket of it on. How much sperm takes? How many takes do you think they needed to get that plant nice and nice? And <laughs> that, that's really the question. Is like, yeah, how much jizz did they have to use to get that? Well, take if it's right? a, if it's a man, they're like, sorry, we didn't get the take. Can you jizz again here yeah. shortly? Yeah, that's what makes me think they just had like a a baby bottle full of jizz just so <laughs> it squirted out oh, the nipple God. on top of this plant. But oh yeah, I'm gross. Please. That's great though. I loved it. <laughs> and and you're a dad. If I say that shit, whatever, but you're a dad. It's because I handle baby bottles constantly. <laughs> oh, full of jizz. <laughs> That's daddy's little net nightcap. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Uh yeah, so there's that. Um the uh the mutilation on Kakihara's mouth is known as a Glasgow or a Chelsea smile. And that was actually a thing that was done. Uh, there was a uh, technique that was utilized by British gangsters on their on their victims. Oh shit, that's tight! I didn't so, know that. So that's a real thing, apparently. And also, this is interesting. Only two shots are fired in the entire film, but no one is killed by them. Huh? That's yeah. interesting. I guess now thinking back on the twenty-five bodies that uh, get racked up. Yeah, they're all killed in unconventional ways. Right. To say the least. Yeah, which is, that's another, uh, I feel like that's another layer of subtext of the movie that could be analyzed. That's interesting. Awesome. Wow. So so that's what I got to add to that, to that stack. I, and I, I thought of one while you were talking. I didn't know if you knew this or not. The detective twin brothers, 
Mm-hmm. That's that's one actor. Oh well, yeah. I pick. I knew that was happening during the film. Did you? I I thought it when I read it afterwards. I was like, "Holy shit!" Did I just get bamboozled? I I didn't even notice. I I was like, "Oh, they got twins for this." Yeah, I did notice that, and that goes back to what I felt were some um, inconsistencies in the way that it was edited and some of the uh, the effects. But interesting. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that was the only other thing I read. I was like, "Whoa, what?" Um, Okay. Shall we try to slap a rating on this thing? Um, first of all, on a midnight clock, how close to being a midnight movie is this? Well, because you pulled this with Cape Fear, we got to bring out this this uh, this spin on it. Is this is this is past midnight? This movie is so fucked up and so violent. And, you know, it's like, hey, just use your personal anecdote as the the standard here. You watched it at four in the morning looking like a psycho. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there you I go. Agree. This I is agree. Like, this is a this is a 3 a.m. Like, what the fuck have you been up to all night? Motherfucker rating. <laughs> I put 2 a.m. dripping with sweat, just like <laughs> profusely sweating 2 a.m. The, the, the sweat beads uh, being highlighted by the, the glare of the TV. <laughs> the jizz on the TV was highlighting the sweat on my face. Yes. So there Better you than go. vice versa. Right. Um, good. So out of five potted plants dripping with cum, <laughs> what did you come up with? for a rating (laughs) i'm gonna say with this one i'm gonna give it are we still not uh, what's this what's the uh standpoint on the half ratings go for it baby fuck it yeah half for sure three and a half so three um you know leafs are dripping with cum and one has no jizz on it yeah there you go I have four sopping wet (laughs) leaves just covered in cum. I'm giving it four potted plants dripping with jizz out of five. Appropriately, given, you know, what we're talking about, the movie we're talking about in the culture, bukkakied, if you will. It was a bukkakied plant for sure. Besotted. (laughs) With dripping semen plants. You gave it what? You gave, uh, you gave it three and a half. I gave it three and a half. Yeah, so we're very close. Yeah. I, I gave close. it four. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, there was, there was some um, things that didn't age well, but right. I, my, um, my anticipation for the meeting at the end between Kakahara and Ichi was still just as prevalent as it was when I was a teenager. And in fact, it transported me to, being a, a teenager watching this for the first time, I, I felt all those feelings again, which is all you can ask out of a, out of a movie. So, um, would you say that, that it, it, it calmed your, your, your swelling violence boner. It <laughs> nothing quelled can, it. Nothing it will quell that. It. No, okay. <laughs> that is still raging, uh, beneath my tunic. Um, <laughs> what's on the next episode adam it's your turn to choose me i fucking completely (laughs) no i actually did think about this because so the last time we talked about doing phenomena 
And I was like, yeah, let's go for one that like you haven't seen It was seen between before. Phenomena and Streets of Fire. So yeah, we could definitely do Phenomena if that's your choice. Let's do that one because I think that would be a fun follow-up to this movie because then that way we have another foreign film back to back. I like that idea. Yeah. We both so, picked a foreign film. And I just, I, this is my fear though. I love that movie so much. I fear that like, that's going to be another one where we're like, we fucking yap way too long and I'm going to have to edit the shit out of it. But well, it's going to be as long as it needs to be. Okay. So <laughs> let's say for next time, then you heard it here. We're going to do Dario Gento's phenomena. Um, and our I'm, first Argento and we promise to try to keep the brevity uh, in mind. And I will say also for a lot of Argento folks, a lot of Argento heads, a, a controversial one. And I will go to bat till the fucking end to it. I go to bat so hard for this movie. I haven't, I have a tattoo in tribute on my arm to it. Damn. I know. Any other Argento tattoos? I do. I have a Suspiria one. They're, they're both back to back I have a, <laughs> on the same arm. I'd love to explore your body later then. Okay. Um, wow. <laughs> it's just cause see, this is what happens. I tried, I tried to use that as the segue to the outro, but it's not, uh, it's not sufficient. It's, it's, uh, it's too staying, hot, it's staying too hot and heavy. Nope. It's staying in. Can you say that on TV? Um, <laughs> good. <laughs> They said, what? You know, they almost lost me at baby bottle full of jizz, but then they did lose me at exploring each other's bodies, <laughs> said our toughest critic. Um, well, this has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for providing our intro music. Our outro music is a track ripper called Accident of Birth, brought to you by local Indianapolis rockers, Chuck Lofton, not to be confused with the Channel 13 meteorologist of the same name. You can peep their demo on the Chuck Lofton Bandcamp. If you're a band looking to submit a song or a listener looking to submit a question, feel free to shoot us an email at midnightflixpod at gmail.com. F-L-I-X pod at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at Midnight Flicks Pod F-L-I-X For Adam Walker, I'm Pat Mitchell See you on the other side See ya Now y'all will lay down